You've done it again. You've fallen back into your bad habits. It's the No Class Podcast. With your internet buddies, Eddie and Matt. And it's a re-record of episode 29, all about alignments. So let's start with our most popular segment, the Long Con Plug. Plug that long con, Matt. Plug it away. You know it. She'll like with both hands. Um, so, I'm trying to remember what I said last time, but yeah. Um, <laughs> it's been a minute. The long con uh, is going to happen in November, other barring the government or the hotel saying no, because if anything, we're on the hook for the, the price. Uh, and uh, seeing as how successful NTRPG went which they were very much in the midst of the worst of this in Dallas when it was surging, but they used great precautions and were very smart and, and, you know, masks were readily available, blah, blah, blah. Nobody that we've heard of had any ill outcomes from that. So, uh, by November, I would like to think we will have flattened the curve and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, we're going to have it in November. Unless we're we're made not to. Unless they shut it down. That's right. And and using wise precautions and all the the and uh, reiterating what I said last time, you wouldn't know it because that recording failed. Um, they're they've always been very hygienic and had a lot of those little stations with hand sanitizer. They have even more of that. They're going even more stringently with their precautions. So, you know, we're not doing this um, carelessly. You know, which should go without saying. In fact, I didn't think of this last recording, but we've always been a very hygienic con. Why is that? The very first even, we had ample hand sanitizer everywhere, Kleenexes and all that stuff. So well, we, one we, of us might be a germaphobe. No. Really? Mm-hmm. Everyone, please come up and shake my hand vigorously at the con. Mm-mm, I love that. He's talking about me. Um, so anyway, but no, yeah, we're going to have it, man. It's gonna we'll be also awesome. have an all-you-can-eat seafood buffet. <laughs> Get all of your hands in there. All hands in. All hands no on deck. No sneeze guards. It's, sneeze is, guards are for the week. Yeah, that's right. This, this is November. Let's get our uh, uh, resistances built up you know, for the yeah, winter. Yeah, eat some dirt. Start eating dirt it's, now. It's right now, I want you to start you know, licking garbage cans. Become hard. <laughs> Strong like a bull. There's no weakness in this dojo. Yeah, anyway. All right, so is that enough indulgences about, you know? Oh, I would say, if you're coming, and I've, you've probably heard your ticket, if you don't buy your ticket, also is, please post games. We'd really appreciate that. People don't see games, they, you know, they get scared. They get scared. Yeah. yeah. Well, since this is the re-record, now we're doing it on Gen Con weekend. What do you think about that? Ooh la la. You know what? I'm biting my tongue. Because you know how I feel about Gen Con. But we have just passed, what, DCC Day by about a month. I'm heartbroken. And Free RPG Day by about a weekend. Heartbroken again. So two of those things that we really enjoy that we didn't get to do. Yeah. It, we, we, you know, not to toot our horn, but I mean, we love to run games for love of the game. We, we you know, pony up to, to, to run games for people. And I got to say, I really miss gaming with our buddies from Tyler, uh, uh, Nick, uh Skyler, Kenneth, you know, uh, and some of those other folks that, you know, I'm, I miss gaming with them. You know, they're, they're cool guys. They're fun to game with and hang out with, and I miss them. You know. So since you said Tyler, you got to where I was going. Yeah. Geek World. Yeah. Geek World uh, wasn't able to have the in-person events, but they yeah. did order the materials for DCC Day. Yeah. Oh, and they have the free and RPG. And RPG Day. Yeah. So stacks if it. you're hearing this immediately upon release, run over there and get yourself some stuff. Yeah. And eventually, we will set up some makeup dates and run this. Yeah. You know, Mark is is really got a big heart, and he's you know making he's still making this stuff available, and uh, he wants to facilitate when it's safe for everybody because he cares about his customers. So when he feels it's safe, and we can do which this, I respect. Yeah, that's no, the way to go. Absolutely not. My, my, no one has a bigger heart than him. So uh, that's really great, and uh, I'm looking forward to when we can run those games. And I'm sure you saw it online on the like DCC Rocks forum. People were complaining that they could not get their hot little hands on the DCC giveaway for free RPG day. Yeah. So there was a lot of that. My local store didn't do it. So thanks again to Geek World. Yeah. Also, I saw those books are going for like thirty bucks on eBay right now. Just that little because the five dollar quick start. Fan. Wants it, and here's the thing: is and that's, I mean, that's, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wow. pat Mark on the back, but it's like, like you're getting it. a lot of stores said, "Well, if I can't do the in-store thing, I'm not gonna buy it." Right? How thoughtful of Mark to buy the stuff, knowing 
he's you know that there's not going to be the gaming in the store. He still is buying this stuff with his own dollar that to be given away free. You know, I mean, anyway, everybody knows Mark. He's a great guy. Yep. And, and a lot of the guys work there. You know, Will, so, Caleb, they're great guys. We love you, Geek World. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know what time it is now? Oh crap! It's pop culture time. Dun dun dun. How about some books? You got any books you want to talk about? I know, okay, like, just like... Not comic books. Not books. comic books. Gaming paraphernalia or just like fantasy, sci-fi, blippity blue. Yeah. Sadly, I've not been reading lately. Well, I will say for books, because mm-hmm. since this is a re-record, it's not fresh on our minds anymore, right. is The Barbarians of the Ruined Earth. Okay, which is the gaming paraphernalia, yeah. 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 Now that, just got that, that's by DIY Games, Mike uh, Evans... Evan. Yeah, really great guy. Um, I, you know, anybody's listening to this, paid attention. His his material, Hubris, is phenomenal. I absolutely love that. And you can use that with fantasy, sci-fi. There's so much cool stuff in there. You could cull something out of there to use. Anyway, it's great. And so he did Barbarians of the Ruins Earth. It's post-apocalyptic. It's uh, the, the engine is from the Black Hack. Uh, you which know, you is have kind to explain of that yeah BX old school OSR but it's rules light and the name Black Hack is not because it's so evil it was actually somebody's last name like, was Black like or Fred Black or whatever but mm-hmm. he did kind of a, a a clone of the old BX D and D rules and his own little spice on it or whatever and it's been so popular with a, a, a subset of gamers that it's been those rules have been used as the engine for a lot of different products. And I think it's so rules light that the rules are actually, what, three pages of the book? Yeah, I mean, it's not five, eight pages or something. And, and when you hear that, and you go, wait a minute, but no, you'll understand, like, the, the part about characters is, you know, whatever. But, I mean, there's a, once again, this book has so much stuff in it, but it's mm-hmm. not a really heavy page count. There's some neat artwork in there. It's very flavorful. Um, I think I read somewhere, like, Mike spent a lot of money on the artwork. But it's some pretty cool artwork in there. And I, anyway, I introduced it to some gamers. They grokked the system and by a third of the way through the session, they had it down. So it shows you that, I mean, you know, some people are like, I have to learn a new rule system. No, I mean, this is so rules light. Anybody has any experience gaming will pick it up quickly and adapt to it. Anyway, a lot of fun. Can't say enough good things. The players really liked it. It's interesting to the session. They're like, can we keep playing this? I'm like, well, yeah, sure. I mean, the hook was set. Was it though? Of course it was. And it was very Thundar esque. Yeah, Thund if you remember Thundar the Barbarian. If you're not, go watch them. I think they're on YouTube or you know. Uh, yeah. Other, or sometimes they were other, on Boomerang. Yeah, wink wink sources. But yeah, great, really neat, uh post apocalyptic uh cartoons from the eighties. I watched them as a kid and that's if that's what corrupted me, part of it was Thundar the Barbarian. Ukla Ariel, we ride. And that's why you can't have shows like that anymore, because you'll churn out that many more little mats. Little weirdos. You know it. What a world. They don't make them like that anymore. All right. How about some comic books? Well, uh, that's on. That's that's your bailiwick. Yeah, yeah but I saw you read. I saw you had some comics at your place the other day. Oh yeah, no, I'm reading comics, but the, some the, den. Well, yeah, I'd mentioned den though in a previous podcast, and they're in Harrow, um, Harrow County, which I love. Um, We've talked about that before. So, no, I love comics, but just recently, I've had the different irons in the fire, and not to toot my own horn, but I've been very busy taking care of a lot of sick people with, well, you know what? Radio silence. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, for the comics that I read lately, I read Hedy Lamar. I was telling somebody about An that. An Incredible Life. Yeah. But, you know, she was a really interesting individual. Yeah. It's the biography of the famous golden age actress silver screen or whatever yeah mm-hmm. um she was uh, a hollywood bombshell but she was actually a genius and did she get like a nobel prize or something no okay but still this is one of these a genius not recognized in your times oh, kind, yeah. yeah. kind of stories I think since then they you know some great contribution though right so it does talk about her and basically escaping europe before uh-huh. the nazis took over so i mean you're in that kind of time frame I really like I like I said we're redoing the podcast so as I told you before Mm -hmm. as I told Matt before as he has to listen to it again I don't think I've ever seen any of her movies yeah but 
the one that I would probably be most likely would be Samson and Delilah. Ooh, la la. With Cecil B. DeMille. Uh, it, yeah. So when he was doing those, so that's one that I'll probably check out. Yeah, I might too. But what her big contribution was, was during World War II, they came up with a way kind of to make an uncrackable signal from the sub to the torpedo. Mm-hmm. And it kind of used like player piano technology mm-hmm. where you would switch frequencies off. And they're like, well, how would you be able to switch the frequencies so much? And it was kind of a player piano type thing where you'd program it in like that and just go from one to the next and so forth and so on. And apparently, geez, what, 50 years later, they were using that in wireless technology. Oh, wow. So a lot of your cell phone stuff, mm-hmm. you can thank her for that. Wow. So, but yeah, completely unappreciated in her time mm-hmm. for her mind because it was one of those like, you're so good looking because that was her thing was being a bombshell. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was like, you're so pretty. How could you also have this great idea? Mm-hmm. And let's face it, you know, not to get on that road, but in that day and age, a lot of times women might not have been appreciated exactly. for their minds, you know, so not like nowadays. Uh, I was also reading as most everybody knows that I'm a big Transformers fan. They're more than meets the eye. So Transformers Galaxy is a pretty good line that's coming out now. There's so many different continuities for the Transformers, and they reboot the stories so often. This one's going back to the, like the G1 storyline, the original stuff, but it's more of a spotlight on certain characters instead of an overall new story. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of can spend some time with one character in an issue or something like that. Really good. So they like focus on Bumblebee, focus on Go ahead, name, Prime. name four. Okay, we just said Optimus Prime, Bumblebee, Starscream. You're going to get it. Um, oh, crap. Uh, Meg. Oh, come on. Megatron. If you can put me on the spot. Megatron. Megatron, duh. See? I knew yeah, you'd get there. there. You go. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. You're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> but I'm going to use that to jump off to TVs and movies because oh. Netflix just put out the War for Cybertron Siege. Oh, my. Transformers animated show it's an anime my animes so it's dark and edgy it's not for the kids oh my you didn't mention this last time this is new material well i just watched it it came out the 31st yeah so i've just recently watched it and i give it a solid meh (laughs) so if you need your transformers fix go check out the comic transformers galaxy the show is okay but man it's got a lot of issues. Yeah, for a guy who's an uber yeah. uh, a Transformer fan. Yeah. yeah. It so doesn't you... take a lot to please me, and that was more of a meh. And there's two more parts coming. Oh, boy. Hopefully they'll get it right. So I'm sure I'll check it out. But this first one, yeah, it wasn't so great. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, man. Thank you. Thank you for the condolences. You're welcome. You're worth it. Uh, while we're on Netflix, Mindhunter. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. So I think you said Steph was checking that Steph, out too. Yeah, uh, the first season or two, whatever, she devoured it and she loved it or whatever. Second season is around now, and I'm actually a little late on it. But this so is was this second or third season. This is the second season. Okay, I but think she might have seen that. a lot of people being the time of the COVID, they're in the show hole. They've run out of all the material to watch, read, etc., and so forth. So if you're desperately searching for another show, check out Mindhunters. It's the story of the FBI coming up with how they do the psychological profiles of serial killers. They go and talk to a bunch of serial killers. They talk to Charles Manson in the new season. Really cool. Mm -hmm. If you like those kind of cop dramas, this might be up your alley. Mm -hmm. Anything else you've watched that's interesting? No. Awesome. I've started, what is it like now, season 14 of It's Always Sunny? Oh, wow. Yeah. So you're behind. Yeah. But yeah. I haven't heard it's all that great either, and I haven't seen too much to last, say that it is. It's last couple okay. seasons were hit or miss. I mean, there was one episode of not this last season, but the previous season that literally Steph and I cried laughing so hard. Steph almost wet herself for me. It was hilarious. But just that one episode. We've re- rewatched it like three and four times, and it holds up. But yeah. Um,. But like as far as I think I mentioned last time, I had watched uh, The Sword and the Sorcerer. And with, you know, it was, you know, what Lee Horsley or whatever's big breakout role or something. And, you know, he didn't do much else. But anyway, there's like, it's like three blades on the sword and they flop. You know, you can't even see the wires. Well, maybe a little, you know. Well, what I want to hear about is Robot Apocalypse. Yeah. So since the last failed podcast, I've watched Robot Apocalypse. God, it was 
I mean, even after having watched Zardoz recently, it's like, woof. But no, I mean, this had a really, really low budget. Um, the writing wasn't great. The acting was atrocious. But, you know, always I can find something nice to say. The outfits weren't entirely bad. You know, the outfits were kind of cool. The costuming. The costuming was whoever did that gets props, especially with their low budget. But, I mean, like, the, the robots were the lamest thing in the world. I mean... Anyway, yeah, it was it was awful. It was terrible. It really was. Yep. I would it, I give it a strong, you know, do not watch. I would love to see the, the five net, thumbs down. The um, the guys from uh, Rift Tracks make fun of that. It would be easy. It'd be too easy. It'd be an underhand pitch for them. You know. I have seen some where the movie is just too bad for even them to save it. Though, where you're like, wow. oh God, just let this end. Yeah. Oh yeah. Speaking of that. Well, let's go on to games, video games. Video games. Got anything games. for that? Speaking of my uh, comment sections here. Jeez, it's, it seems so repetitive, but it's like uh, I'm continue to play For Honor, and I'm having wow. a ton of fun with it. I was going to tell you this. I'm actually I've played it a few times without you, and uh-huh. by few I mean like two or three. Uh-huh. And I've got to stop playing without you. Really? It's I. I'm going to get burned out on it. Really? Yeah. All right, well, because go. it's a fun action game. Right. It's so much fun with your friends. Oh, and it really is. A lot, it's a lot more fun when you're playing with a pal. But there's really no plot line. No, there's no story. It's just you beating on people's heads. Yeah, so it doesn't change that much. No. So. I mean, the battlegrounds change. And we, well, now we kind of switch up that one time and play. Oh, that, there's a lot of different that modes. Capture the flag, then kind of reinvigorate us. Like, geez, oh, this is a different. This is, yeah, this is complaining about it after. 40 hours yeah and i bet you you're still playing dominion yeah even i've got burnout on dominion where i'm doing more two versus two or one-on-one versus other human beings not just the ais and stuff just kind of spice it up you know up my game Mm -hmm. and so like one order was like play four matches of this thing that a lot of people aren't generally playing so it makes people queue up for that more it's the one thing that's it's kind of a capture the flag but it's different it's the what's it called tribute you know, where you have those three mm-hmm. rods that you stick in the altars or whatever. That one's kind of fun. Because yeah, it's and different. we just discovered that the other day. Because a lot of people don't queue up for people. Everyone queues up for Dominion, and Dominion's fun. But enough of that, and you're going to get kind of burned yeah. out. Yeah. This is still highly recommended. This oh, is absolutely. like, hey, after you've got 50, 100 hours in it, it might start to get old. Yeah. But, yeah, highly recommended. If you're the guy who's like, you know, i got about an hour to kill some time, yep. that's, it's a great little get on there, do four or five matches, get off. Yeah. I just don't have a primary game at the moment. That's the good, like, the offhand weapon, the offhand game. It's yeah. like, oh, okay, I'm tired of this. Maybe I'll go play that for a little bit. Or, mm-hmm. hey, my buds are online. I can go play that with them. And there's somewhat different playing styles of the different heroes on there. Oh, yeah, I've been and doing so, a lot of that, too. So there's that where I've, like, I was playing the warder, and I played the poop out of the Shigoki and had a lot of fun with that. But I was looking at um, the the old dude with the Halibird you were talking about. I'm like, hmm, I might check yeah, that I out. I want to say he's the lawbringer. No, no, no. You're talking about the other one. The Asian dude. Uh, you know, he's, mm-hmm. yeah, he's got the long beard and he looks wizened. And has and he's got a thing that's kind of not a Halibird, but it's the Asiatic version of one or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he looks cool. And from some things you said, I was like, he might be up my alley. Yeah, he was good. And, I mean, once again, I'm talking about after you've put a lot of hours into the game. Because there is a lot of different variation between game modes and the way different characters play. so mm-hmm. And so you find the one that fits your style or whatever you can adapt to. Because that's one of the things I'll say is, I think I quickly acquired the dynamic of the game to where I was competent. But I found that my game has improved over time. So there is that element of like honing the, you know, your ability or whatever, which has been fun. Okay. Uh, one of the things that I was talking about before was Mega Man X. Yeah. I got in the Mega Man X collection, which had, I think, all of them from Mega Man X to Mega Man X8 or something like that. So it went from Super Nintendo all the way up to PlayStation 2, I think. But all I'd really heard about, heard good things about was maybe X2 and X3, mm-hmm. which were the ones that were on Super Nintendo. And I decided to save myself some money by not buying those because they cost about 100 bucks piece on the used market. Wow. And that's not complete in the box. That's just the game itself. Wow. So I said, yeah, I'll buy the remaster remake for the PS4. See what all the hype is about. Not impressed. It, uh, X2 was more of an expansion pack. Mm-hmm. Because Mega Man X, fantastic game. Run out and go play it. Mm-hmm. 2 is more the same. Where it's like, yeah, this feels 
Like they just added a few more robots in, but they didn't recreate the wheel nearly as much as they did with X. Mm-hmm. And then three is even further down, more repetitive, less inspired, less creativity. Just kind of slapped it out the door. Kind yeah. Of, you know. And there are games that are like that where they just keep going down as they get more and more releases. So Yeah. You know, they, you, you keep going back to that same well and the well runs dry. So is there anything you've got, like, you you conquered all the Castlevania games, you conquered Mega Man, what's your next See? Everest? And that's why I'm getting burned out on For Honor, because uh-huh. I don't have somewhere else that I'm like, oh, I would be playing this right now and saving For Honor until Matt's around, so I've been hitting For Honor just to have something to play, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, I'm grinding this into the dirt, I'm chewing the pulp of the orange now or something now, yeah. I'm just chewing it, the rind. Yeah, so you'll have to you'll find your next mountain to climb or whatever yeah no so i I gotta say so i have an an arcade machine at the house and so i said well to be a completist which you generally are i said you want to come over and play the arcade version of castlevania and that's where eddie draws his line apparently yeah a resounding no i'm trying to think on the arcade if it's called like vampire killer or something like it's not called castlevania i keep meaning to fire it up and see if i can find it just to you know to see but i know when i because there's 2500 damn games on that thing so i remember through the when i was really playing on it a lot when i lived in wascom um going through the various games and just firing them to see what they're like or different ones i know i'd seen it because i wrecked because there's a guy with a whip and there's mm-hmm. vampires. I'm like, this is Castlevania. I mean, yeah, how can it, I don't know what they might be calling it, but there's a guy with a whip and there's hearts and there's and like little hearts that you whip something and a little heart flies out. Mm-hmm. That's Castlevania, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but it seems like even Ghosts and Goblins is kind of like a, or am I crazy? Never mind. All right. Yeah. But yeah, the Vampire Hunter, I think that's what it is on the arcade. I can't even remember if that came out in the U.S. because, like you said, your system has so many yeah, games. I've got Japanese games that were never meant to be, to be in the... the like, there's a little disclaimer, like, if you're playing this game in the U.S., you know, you are, you know, an outlaw in Korea. And I mean, to be a completist, this thing's got over 2,500 games on it. But that one was, like, notoriously hard. I've watched some of the, like, YouTube videos where, where the reviewers come in and they're like, it was designed just to eat quarters, oh, so sure. they made it as difficult as possible. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, no, I'm yeah. not doing that. There's a lot of <laughs> times I beat my head against the wall, but I'm going to draw a line on that. Yeah, yeah, he's a masochist butt, you know. All right, so I thought that was funny. Um, what's next, sir? With that, I think we finally get to the topic. Hot dog. And last time we started this off at first edition, but then yeah. you had some more history uh, before that. Mm-hmm. So why don't you go ahead, and this is our edit on the fly. Go ahead and start with that. Before D&D, in a world before yeah. D&D, this is what alignment meant. Yeah, it's like in D&D, alignment is a categorization of the ethical and moral perspective of player characters, non-player characters, and creatures. Most versions of the game, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, feature a system in which players make two choices for characters. One is the character's views on law versus chaos, and the other on good versus evil. The two axes, axes, whatever, allow for nine alignments in combination. Um, just a sidebar, alignment is often criticized as being arbitrary and unreal by some game masters and players. D&D co-creator Gary Gygax credited the inspiration for the alignment system to the fantasy stories of Michael Moorcock and Paul Anderson. Um, the original version of D&D, I guess White Box, player allowed, do we want to start there? or I thought you had more than that on the prehistory. Um, like, well, I think I, yeah. for the Grecians, they had the system oh, of... Oh, well, I threw that in later, but yeah, but I can, let's jump to that. Why that's not? why I was saying yeah. start right. with that, because yeah. that predates D&D. Yeah, so like if people go, well, you know, where did that even come from in fantasy literature, which then led to it in the games, and alignments can be traced to ancient Greek philosophy with positive concepts like logos and cosmos, order and reason, opposed to negative ones, aporia and chaos with a K, uh, confusion and chaos. Nietzsche, with other German scholars of the 19th century, identified these two modes as the Apollonian and Dionysian. The idea being that human nature was a merger of civilized Apollonian tendencies with the wild animalistic Dionysian ones. Some also read similar ideas into the Epic of Gilgamesh. Interestingly, the Egyptians had a concept of order, but two concepts of chaos. One represented by the god Seth, is the kind of chaos found in markets and nature. 
that which sometimes caused some destruction, but is also the source of creativity and new growth. And the other represented by the serpent Apep is the violent primordial chaos that only destroys. Okay. So you talked about the beginnings of D&D there a little bit too. Yeah, so let's right. move on to the basic D&D. Yeah. Like I guess like white box. The original version of D&D allowed players to choose among three alignments, lawful implying honor and respect for society's rules, chaotic implying rebelliousness and individualism and neutral seeking a balance between the extremes. The 1977 release of the Dungeons and Dragons basic set introduced a second axis of good implying altruism and respect for life versus evil implying selfishness and no respect for life. As with the law versus chaos axis, a neutral position exists between the extremes. Characters and creatures could be lawful and evil at the same time, such as a tyrant or chaotic but good, such as Robin Hood. Okay. Fascinating. Yeah. So that was like the, the 1977 basic set. Okay. Shall I move on to Advanced Dungeons and Dragons? You certainly shall. Advanced AD&D, AD &D, released between 77 and 79, continued the two-axis system. The 1981 version of the basic set went back to the earlier one-axis alignment system. Second edition? No, first edition. Very good, very good. Uh, in first edition, you have some classes that actually had predetermined alignments like a druid is neutral a paladin is lawful good a thief must be neutral or evil an assassin must always be evil one thing that we always joke about is neutral evil is the most evil of all the most evil and here in first edition neutral evil is it's doing evil for evil's sake according to the dmg it is of importance to keep track of players uh, player characters behavior with respect to professed alignment and their actions speak louder than words for example, don't let the paladin let the party get away with evil acts. The typical lawful stupid paladin where it's like, well, we're going to go torture this prisoner, but the paladin won't allow it, so we'll walk him to the other side of town so he doesn't know what's going on, when really the player knows what's going on. A hand waved a fooling of the character, but really everybody knows what's going on. And they made fun of that, and what's the old uh, geek D&D uh, &D kind of rip movie, what is it, uh... Dorkness Rising or whatever, where they had the guy play the paladin that they go, oh, look outside, someone's, yeah. you know, yeah. you never seen that. Check it out. It's That seems kind of amusing. If you changed alignments, that cost you a level and all the associated benefits, skills, hit points, etc. Ouch. Could be a big point of contention there between you and the GM, because if he says, your alignment's changed, bam, there's a level gone. Your bag right there. Every player would be like, sweet, I want to change alignment every other day. One of the other things it points out is that alignment changes should be gradual. Right. It's just not one act and then boom. I mean, well, that would be a really jerky GM thing like you did something out, out of the character of your character's alignment. I'm making you change alignment. No, yeah, you should have to keep a record like, hey, it's been three, four, five times or something. And even then, like we talked about, maybe you should get some sort of warning from your god like in a dream or something, you know. Do you have anything for 2nd Edition? AD&D 2nd Edition, released in 1988, the year I graduated high school, retained the two-axis oh, system. take a look at your life. <laughs> in that edition, a character who performs too many actions outside their alignment can find their alignment changed and is penalized by losing experience points, making it harder to reach the next level. So that was, that, those penalties continued in 2nd Edition that you just mentioned. Okay. Absolutely. So, we don't, talk about second edition that's where i came in at yeah. and that's i don't know maybe a flash in the pan for you i know you played it some but i don't think I that's should, your I, most fondly remembered version yeah i played it extensively i no, i have i enjoyed it but i think this is also where and i don't i don't even think this is in writing but where you'd be like this guy is lawful good with neutral tendencies do you remember when you'd have and with this tendencies oh, yeah yeah well, you know, I think we talked about this last time. that, uh, But we have to talk about it again. again. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like trying to remember. But it's like, I remember in um, in like the, 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 the Gazetteer, you know, whatever for, uh, or they used to have the, the box that talked about the World of Greyhawk, which I own. It's awesome. But anyway, it would, it would mention like this kingdom by alignment is neutral evil, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, so like a different region of the world would be given a general alignment, you know. So it's kind of interesting. Like the people here are generally lawful, but you know, 
lawful good, lawful neutral, lawful evil, whatever. Like if you went to the Pomars where it's a bunch of goblins, this region is generally chaotic evil or something, you know? Yeah. Okay. Let me find that where I've got that. Mm. Societies have alignments. Rulers and the people may have opposite alignments. Mm. And when you do, there's going to be a conflict. Oh, uh, going back further in the notes here. Alignment is a tool for the DM to use for NPCs. It is not a hammer to pound over the heads of PCs who misbehave and is not carved in stone, according to the DMG. See, a lot of stuff is things that he did his research, and you found him in, this is written in the Oh, books. yeah, I went back yeah. and read all the sections yeah. of alignment in all the uh, D&D books. Yeah, from version 1 through 5. Yep. Alignment is not your personality. Alignments can be openly known between party members or kept secret. So I think that's one of the things in 5th edition you don't see too much. Pretty mm-hmm. much everybody bellies up to the table and says, I'm a so-and-so and I'm chaotic good. But that was one of the things that originally brought this. I brought this topic up on Facebook on a group. It's a East Texas Role Players, which is an interesting group sometimes. And um, one of these little topics will pop into my head and I'll throw it out there. And sometimes it just dead on arrival but other times we get some really interesting discussions going and that's what kind of prompted us to maybe hey we ought to use this for a topic on the on the podcast but um my thing was like should players always be heroic and there's actually times down the line that in D the company's kind of said well they've kind of encouraged like you should have your players be heroes and be heroic you know but anyway but you look at some great book uh, reading from D fantasy like um Raceland wasn't necessarily a good guy but he ran with the heroes and did heroic things. You know because I mean? it was self-serving. Well, sure. See, he, you know, yeah. So I'm saying, so that made for an interesting story, an interesting character. He himself is really not you know, a noble guy or a hero, but he helped accomplish heroic deeds, like you said, for his own self-serving ends. So anyway, that's a little... Or like most every thief in a party. Yeah. They're not set out to do good things. They mm. just happen to go, hey, when I follow these guys treasure falls into my pocket yeah and that was something i was going to mention once we work through this but yeah all right uh sticking with second edition if a pc's alignment is changing as you as gm see that then you should warn them you should instead of just putting the hammer down say hey i think you're leaning this way if you're maybe a paladin maybe your order is feeling this or that or you get a dream from your god telling Mm -hmm. you to get back on the path Mm -hmm. Uh, never tell the player that their alignment won't allow them to do something yeah. Let them take that action, even if you think it's out of alignment for them. Oh, yeah. Because that's what the character does. And then mm-hmm. see how, what agency. are the consequences. Yeah, yeah, player agency. You can do that, but you're going to deal with repercussions. Just like in a real world, you can do that, but you're going to deal with the repercussions of your action. Alignments may or may not be detected depending on the situation. For example, an evil warrior sitting in a bar just having a drink. You may not notice that because he has no evil intent. But an evil cleric that has been committing sacrifices for decades and raising the dead, that may radiate such a negative aura that he can't get away from it and he'll always be detected. So I thought that was kind of an interesting concept. Yeah, because I mean, that's because that's where it really could break the game and aggravate the game master where you walk in a room and immediately Claire goes, I'm going to detect alignment. And you're like, GD, you know, <laughs> you know, which we've have done that before we were playing in a game and somebody, what was it? A, was it a bracelet of ESP or uh, uh, yeah, it was a headband, of, headband of, ESP. of ESP and they detected evil thoughts coming from like the barkeep and the waitress and the, the stable boy, you know, which sometimes in first edition, just gouging you on the prices could be kind of evil. Yeah. Oh, that's definitely evil. We were like, why are these characters evil? What are they up to? And the adventure went way off. And that's the rails. it. We spent the whole time in the bar trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah, instead of going to the adventure, mm-hmm. we're like, well, wait a minute. Why are we didn't even? What's going on with these people? We need to find out. We're going to search the bar, the tavern. And I love the guy running it said, wow, I've ran this at how many cons, how many times, and no one's ever used the ESP headband. And you nobody's ever do. not gotten into the dungeon. Yeah. I mean, literally, right at the, about the four hour mark, you know, a con slot. It's like, well, you know, we've pretty much plumbed the depths of this whole evil tavern thing. Like, let's go to the dungeon. He's like, uh, we're done, guys. You know, it was, but that's a that's a great story. But we and we had fun with it. Absolutely. But that's how alignment can be used there in a mm-hmm. way too. Yeah. And as a GM, you can use it to bait the players. Sometimes go like, oh yeah, he's got an evil alignment. Why? Yeah. Well, because he's kind of a scumbag merchant. Yeah doesn't necessarily mean that he was out kicking puppies yeah 
just you know, he's he's done some very unscrupulous deals. Uh, PCs can now willingly change their alignment at any time. And what's the catch, you ask? The next level costs twice the XP. Uh, neutral evil is more back in line. What me and Matt tend to think of it that that's Speak, you're just a selfish very person. Very selfish and selfish. You look out for number one. Yeah. Which is kind of where Raceland starts out. The PHB gives you some alignment advice for the players. Don't pick an alignment that will be hard or no fun for you. So if you're the kinder, gentler kind of person, don't try and play a chaotic, evil character. And if you're kind of a bad person all around like Matt, don't try and be a lawful good paladin. <laughs> Which is interesting advice because I think I mentioned last time that when I was a kid first playing D&D, I would pick an alignment that was closer to what I thought like... Well, first was like a little kid, like lawful good, and then neutral good, and then chaotic good. Over time, you know, as you're like, you know, getting to be a, like a rascal, some teen. But my point is, like, I'd figure, oh, let me pick something to be easy. And as I got older and matured, I went, you know what? It's time to forget these underhand pitches, this easy stuff. Um, I want to challenge, you know. So then I tried to go to the polar ends, like I'm going to play lawful good, or I'm going to play a chaotic evil, just to, for the role playing challenge to get those chops, you know, because you really have to kind of dig deeper, stretch to play some of those guys and gals at the, at the extreme ends of the, of the alignment, you know, anyway, we'll, we'll touch on that maybe more in a minute. Mm-hmm. Are we, we ready? Certainly will. Third edition, sir. Nope. <laughs> you rascal. Uh, consider your party alignment is also uh-huh. in there, Yeah. which is something that we had in barbarians of the ruined earth. Mm-hmm. My character, believe it or not, is the super chaotic, good heroic type. Mm-hmm. But does that fit in the post-apocalyptic, gritty, Mad Max type of world? Because yeah. basically, it's Thundar in Mad Max. Mm-hmm. That's literally kind of a good description of uh, Barbarians of the Ruined Earth. Barbarian, it's a, uh, yeah. And we had uh, one character just go murder hobo on NPC, and the other characters are kind of trying to feel it out like and see where they fall in the alignment chain here and how the, you know... How does this affect their characters? What would their character do? Because the thing is, like, uh, Barbarians doesn't have uh, an alignment system. Right. Uh, Yeah. It also says alignment is a tool, not a straitjacket, which I think a lot of people going back and thinking of the old days of D&D, they do think of that. Like, oh, yeah, I remember you get hammered if you didn't do this or you didn't do that. Yeah. Okay. Third edition. D&D third edition released in 2000 kept the same alignment system as second edition. Man, you had just oodles of stuff. When you look at your favorite editions of D&D. I know I'm alienating people. So I don't like to really go into it. But I have some fond memories playing 3rd edition D&D. But as a system, it's literally more And as alignment, it didn't really recreate the wheel. It didn't, yeah. They didn't reinvent the wheel. We'll just stop there. Yeah. So what I have is off Pathfinder because I don't own the 3 or 3.5 books at all. So mm-hmm. Pathfinder being the kind of 3.75. It also takes the exact same quote. Alignment is a tool and not a straitjacket. So apparently they like that that much. Mm-hmm. Neutral evil, though, is back to being evil for evil's sake. The most evil Pure evils. evil. Uh, it has no honor and is without variation. Chaotic evil is practically so chaotic that they cannot work together in a group. So you couldn't have a band of chaotic... Well, you couldn't have a chaotic evil party because mm-hmm. they'd always be trying to undermine each other. So that was kind of interesting because a lot of times you do have the chaotic, evil, bad guy. Right. But in this, he wouldn't be effective because he's just so chaotic. Yeah. And that makes sense. Uh, there is no XP penalty for changing alignment. Hmm. And whereas before you had a lot of pages dedicated to alignment in 2nd edition, for example, mm-hmm. the PHB and the DMG have a chapter about alignment. Wow. In this, you get... Two and three-fourths pages. That's it. That's all the time they need to spend on alignment. Because backing up, having played first edition and then second edition AD&D, I love that second edition really went into detail about what the alignments really mean and these descriptions and examples of it. Like, like, here's a assume there was a party that had one person of every alignment. I love those descriptions. It really helped you wrap wrap your head around what the different alignments meant. The neutral evil character would argue this, but he's dead, so he can't. <laughs> yeah. 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 They gave really good examples in no. second edition. I would actually encourage people to, if you can find that somewhere online or whatever, it's really, I, 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 that was one of the things that really stands out from second edition for me was their description of the alignments mm-hmm. in the player's handbook. Anyway. All right. 
fourth edition. I'm sure dun, you've got dun, so dun, much to say the about much this. The much maligned fourth edition. D&D fourth edition released in 2008 reduced the number of alignments to five. Lawful good, good, evil, chaotic evil, and unaligned. And that edition, good, replaced neutral good and did not encompass chaotic good. Evil replaced neutral evil and did not encompass lawful evil. Unaligned replaces true neutral and did not encompass lawful neutral and chaotic neutral. So interestingly enough. So in the fifth, in the fourth edition books, you get about a page of alignment and you don't get any of it in the DMG at all. So that's how much the role of alignment has been reduced. Mm -hmm. uh, paladins now can also be any alignment. Up to this point, you had to be lawful good. Yeah, and um, I mean it was a tough road to hoe in first edition D and D. If you wanted to play a paladin, um, you had to you had to have have rolled a uh, seventeen and put that on your charisma. But you're a melee type character. You're like I want to put that on my strength or con or dex or whatever, you know. So you really had to be dedicated to the idea of wanting to play a paladin because you know you had to roll some really. And honestly, I did, that's a, another podcast. But like if you wanted to play a monk, you had to roll some pretty significant. You had to have certain stats at a certain level even to play these classes and stuff now, that's a whole other thing from first edition all right now to the current fifth edition fifth edition released in 2014 returned to the previous nine alignments and included a tenth option of unaligned for creatures that operate on instinct not moral decision making right. okay and in the books you get one page again and there is nothing in the dmg and here's one that I don't think we said last time. As far as DMG goes, 5th mm -hmm. edition is the least favorite, least useful for me. Yeah, I had this conversation with somebody. Was that me and you? But Probably, yeah, but you've probably had it with other I, people. Because I talked about, yeah, like, the, okay, if you're a brand new novice game master, there's a lot of really neat material in the DMG. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah. It's really great. Um, for like, There's a lot of stuff that if you're a seasoned game master, you know a lot of this stuff, mm -hmm. but like back, like the the first edition DMG, oh man, it's chock full of so much useful charts and information and, and different stuff. I mean, to this day, I still refer to it if I'm running fantasy games for certain charts and tables and different things. Um, but yeah, I mean the the fifth edition DMG is like, I mean, it, does it have the magic items in it at least? Yeah, because yeah. I think they want you to buy it. Yeah, because other that's versions, what makes you buy it. Yeah, and other versions. Okay, the original DMG had magic items in it, but since then, other versions, like, they had the magic items in, like, the player's handbook or something, and you were like, wait, what? You know? Um, so, yeah, they did it that this time because they wanted you to buy the mm -hmm. book. And then the rest of it is a lot of, like, this is how you would build your homebrew campaign, which is good. It's just not all that useful for Here's us. You've got to build an encounter. And know. it used to be, if you were going somewhere, you'd have to bring the player's handbook, the DMG, mm -hmm. and the monster manual. And now I never crack out the DMG. Nope. I don't have to haul that one around with yeah, me. Yeah, that one's that one's on the bookshelf at home. Um, so, uh, like, like I said, the question I had posed on the internet was: Should players always be good? Should they always be heroes? Fantasy literature has anti-heroes. Dragon Lance's books have Raceland. He fights for the good side, but really isn't a nice guy. And we had a, a really interesting discussion on the that forum about it. Um, but it's, um, you know, alignment's interesting. Um, I know, like I said, there's times when I've wanted a bit of a role-playing stretch. And so I've played the polar, you know, lawful good, chaotic evil, just to, you know, and it's kind of like we talked about last time. It's like playing the, the, a character in a play where you go, well, I'm not, you know, death of a salesman. What's the guy's name or something? I'm not him, but if I'm going to play him, what's his motivation in life? How will he react to a given situation? Um, and that's interesting because I remember when we were younger and first, I first started doing that, someone would be like, wow, you're going to do that? I'm like, well, I wouldn't do that, but that's what my character would do, you know, because I'm trying to get in the headspace of my character, you know, and that helps with the whole thing of the motivation to write a background for your character so that you kind of know where they come from, what was their upbringing, how many siblings did they have, because it might help you know how to react to a situation. Right, well... You kind of led into another one there where I was going to say Savage Worlds doesn't have an alignment system either That when we were playing that. Yeah. But how do you determine that? Looking at your background. Yeah. What did you do up to this point? Mm -hmm. What are the decisions you've made in life? What yeah. kind of background do you have? Right. Uh, DCC kind of goes back to th 
three again. Well, law, chaos, neutral. And then I think I mentioned last time, Harnmaster has a really weird, there's like seven choices or something, and it just starts at one end and goes down to the end. The first one sounds a lot like Lawful Good, and the last one sounds a lot like Chaotic Evil, and it's just sort of shades of gray in between. Um, and that one was one that a lot of people just threw it away. They didn't even use it. I remember reading online um, somewhere. But, yeah, so different games have had different – some have tried alignments, and some have just said never mind or whatever. Like I said, even though you know that um, – like we're talking about Barbarians of the Ruined Earth is, you know, based off the Black Hack. The Black Hack is based off of BX edition, you know, uh, basic expert d and it, it doesn't have an alignment. And for post-apocalyptic, you probably don't need it, you know. And I know there's certain people. It's that, all shades of gray. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, I've heard through the years, a lot of people on forums or groups talking to DMs like, I don't even use alignment. I think it's arbitrary and blah, blah, blah. Or it's a, it's, you know. A, a, yeah, so you lead into this question. Is alignment needed? Is alignment fun? Does it add any fun to the game? That's a, that's an excellent question. Thank you. That's the kind of thing I'd love to hear some feedback from our wonderful listeners, our dear listeners. And what's your opinion? Um, for some games, yes, and other ones, no. I know that in in, in it's kind of a yes or no because the fact of the matter is, then um, we said that, like I think last time we mentioned that. Um, you kind of at first didn't like the whole thing where like paladins didn't have to be lawful good, right? And and I'm 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 with you there because like I said, I think they should have called them just champions. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a champion of my deity. I'm a champion of the good deity, the neutral deity, the evil deity. You're their, you know, I'm, a, I'm their champion out in the world, you know, whatever. But then so don't call paladin. Maybe the lawful good one should still be called paladin. You know, I think they called they're the Black Guard in third edition. Mm-hmm. So if you're anti paladins, yeah, anti paladin way back in, in an old Dragon Magazine article. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, but but for the but so the, like like say you're using a, game, a spell like Protection from Evil, mm-hmm. we have to know if you're evil or not if it's going to work. But you might well go, well, no, it's it's just called Protection from Enemy, and maybe if you're my adversary in the moment, well, this spell hedges you out or protects me from you. Oh, okay. But you can see where certain spells, per se, or let's say there's an area that's been consecrated. Well, we have to know that your character or these monsters are evil to know whether or not you can step on this hallowed ground. So I think in like fantasy gaming, it might be a concept that's needed for the mechanical aspect, you know. But then I've known players, literally, that have said, I don't want to be constrained by, you know, or affected by these spells. I'm going to go up the middle route. I'm, they're specifically playing neutral. Not because it's a role-playing concept, but yeah. because they're trying to avoid... You're covering all the ground right there. Yeah. So. so the other thing I was going to say is, is Chaotic Neutral a cop-out? And definitely there was a time in uh, you know, D&D where people go, well, I don't want to be constrained by the stupid alignment stuff, so I'll be Chaotic Neutral. That means I can do whatever I want. That's not really what that means. Yeah, that's sometimes, occasionally, that, that is a way that you're just trying to get one over on the GM. Yeah. And it's like, well, now if there's some protection from evil, I won't be affected. Or if this magic item zaps people that are of the wrong alignment, it won't get me. Yeah. But how does that add to your fun at all? It doesn't. It's no. like rolling dice and saying you rolled a 20 when you rolled a 7. Yeah. You're cheating yourself out of fun. Yeah. You're not cheating the GM. Because I, for me, that can be a lot of the fun is um, the GM poses a situation, how do I react to it? Not me, but my character through who they are or whatever. And the alignments can sometimes be something that might would facilitate or encourage role play, which this, these are called role playing games. <laughs> so that's just my two bits. Okay. So sometimes an alignment, sometimes you need it, sometimes you don't. Yeah. I could see game systems where I don't think it's necessary. But, you know, through the years, um, you know, uh, like I played a rogue who was a halfling. And most people are like, ah, he's going to be a little kinder or something. I'm like, nope, he was a jerk, you know, whatever. You, you know, so many people that like, well, I'm not going to play that evil rogue because or, or, or gritty street tough kind of jerk, whatever, rogue, because I'm playing with my buddies and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or whatever. But, I mean, I, some of the most fun I've had is this, those players that are playing the gritty street-hardened, you know, rogue whatever you know and then that's is that alignment you know whatever yeah you know 
Yeah. Well, in a world or in a game with alignments, one of the interesting things you have to think about, too, is how your character sees their alignment. They may think that they're a lawful good kind of guy, but then a priest come in and cast detect alignment on them and says, actually, no, you're a neutral evil yeah. person. And just think about if somebody could walk up to you on the street and tell you, actually, you think you're living a good life, but no, you're this. What kind of effects you're would that have on, you, on yeah. your character? Well, this individual, if they're that deluded, they might be like, whatever, you're crazy. But isn't everybody the hero of their own story? story. Exactly. Well, when we brought this up last time is that uh, people will go, well, you can't play an evil character in a party with good people. Yeah, you can. Some people that want to play evil, it's this ham-fisted, uh, twisting the corner <laughs> of your mustache, you know, the, the that guy. No, you can play the guy who's like, well, I know I have to work within this party. It can be subtle, but they'll have their opportunities you know, and that'd be the guy might want to keep his alignment a secret. What alignment you? None of your business. You know, whatever. What? You know, because you That's play. never a giveaway when somebody keeps their yeah. alignment secret either. Yeah. Because so if might... you were lawful good, it would be obvious and you'd be shouting it from the rooftop. It's sure. only when you're evil that you're yeah. like, let's not talk about that. But that's where we might ask the gym up front, like, can we kind of like, you know. Metagame. Yeah. But that's where um, Eddie one time played an evil priest that I thought was great, that he was he was subtle about it. It wasn't this overt, over-the-top evil. And um, like at one point, oh, you're going to help this group of goblins. Well, gosh, that's kind of nice for evil. Yeah, but then he basically was like, you need to worship my deity and or, or else. I was like, oh, okay, there's the evil, you know. Converted him, you know, at the by sword point. So ABR always be recruiting. There you go, proselytizing at the point of a sword. But yeah, it, it, it was a really fun game, and and I liked his subtle evil. Well, you got to think for an evil character like that, it's going to be a lot easier for him to sell it to evil creatures, as we call them. Sure. Than it is to go into town and be like, "Hey guys, <laughs> y'all want to sacrifice a goat and dance naked in the blood?" Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, so yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there's definitely, I think there's opportunities to, to instead of resent alignment, utilize it in a fun way. Absolutely. And it can encourage role playing. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's yeah. fun and sometimes it's not. I guess it's like a lot of role playing games yeah. or things in role playing that you could say that about how your GM adjudicates it and how mm -hmm. characters use it in play. Yeah. So I'm, I'm genuinely curious. I hope we get some feedback on this. I'd love to hear what people think about it. Me too. But like a zero level character, we're all out of hit points. Actually, yeah. 